grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. St. Paul realizes that everything that we are is because God has given us a special gift of himself, a special gift of his grace, of his love, of his mercy, that Christ has given us a gift of life. We wouldn't be here. St. Paul realizes everything is a gift, is a gift. And this is why he continues and he says that the Lord has given us the special grace. He gave us special grace as apostles, uh, others as prophets, other evangelists and pastors and teachers in order to equip the holy ones for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, until we all attain the maturity of our human as persons, to the extent that we attain that fullness of the stature of Christ. What St. Paul is saying here is God gave us everything. What would we be without him? What would we be without him? Yes, on a natural level of our human existence, yes. But even that, God sustains us in existence. God created us through his son in the image and likeness of God himself. That's what he gave us. And you know, and I think that if we really realize that it is God who made us and formed us, this type of realization is something that John Paul himself experienced. If we were to look at John Paul II, and, and there's so many things we can say about him. You know, first of all, on my own level, on my own personal experience, you know, I met him when I was 17 years old in, in the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. He came there and I was an altar server and I was kind of shy, so I would not even speak with him. But my aunt who was there with me says, go, you've got to go and say hi to him, at least say hello. And so reluctantly, I went there and I do remember his words, you know, basically type of encouragement, you know, to, to, to follow the call that God gives us, an encouragement to be whom God intends and wishes us to be. And then subsequently, I did not know what to do in my life. I was thinking of religious life, priesthood, but I was always like thinking of that and marriage and I wasn't too sure what to do. And when he became, when he became Pope, when he was elected, the professor that I've known and I've seen many times at Catholic University in Lublin, when he became, I felt that I have to make a decision and that there's no other decision but to follow, follow the Lord. So in some ways, I feel like he pushed me over the, the moment of, of the lack of decision, where to go, what to do in my life. But then he came to Poland for his first visit, which was such a powerful experience for me. I'll never forget that experience, because for seven days, I just kept on going with a lot of young people who were there, wanted to know, wanted to hear, wanted to understand 
What is our life like? What is it all about? And prior to that, the, um, what intrigued me about him is he would repeat something which spoke to the depths of my heart. And he would say, we do not know who we are without Christ. We do not know who we are. We do not know who the Father is, God the Father without Christ. We would not know the Father in that fullness of knowledge that we have of God the Father if it wasn't for the Lord Jesus, for the Lord, if he was in one. We would not know who we are and what is our destiny without Christ. So in Christ we see not only who God is in his love and mercy, because we see in the, in the, in the teachings, in the words, in the example of Jesus, he manifests the Father to us. But then he also tells us who we are, how we are to be in relationship to each other. We, uh, we would not know what our future is without him. We would not know what resurrection is. We would not know what life of glory is. We would not know. So Christ becomes to us the very focal point, the very reality of who we are, who we are and who we are to be. So without Christ. The second aspect of John Paul was he would say that we are a gift. God has given us existence as a gift out of love. He didn't have to, but he wishes to, wishes to share his life. And so he gives us this life as a special gift and that our life is to be a gift to each other, a gift not something that is constrained, not something that's forced, not something that is, you know, you know we're, we, are, we, we are to be like servants for another. No, we are to be a gift. And so the, every moment of our life, every moment is to be a gift to each other. Because we can put things, what I have to do, I have to do, you know, take care of the car, care, care of this, whatever it is, the whole list. But our life becomes meaningful only insofar as we are present to one another. Give ourselves as true presence for each other. That means taking advantage of who we are, because we can take care of things. We can take care and we can be preoccupied with stuff that comes to us, uh, you know, by ourselves. And, it's, and especially with all our gadgets, what we're doing is we're not allowing ourselves to be a gift for each other. You know, because we can, we're quite happy about being someplace alone with the gadget and all kinds of stuff that we have. But we miss the opportunity of being present to one another as a special gift. John Paul II, just like many saints, attract to God through the very witness they have. How many people were attracted because of St. Francis? not only during his lifetime, but generations after generations are attracted to that witness that he gave. How many people are attracted to St. Dominic or St. Ignatius or the many saints? I think that my generation, your generation, and our generation perhaps has been attracted also to him because of that witness of the Christ in him manifesting the grace for others. He's, he was a 
and a rare person, a rare person, because what happened is he was um, a scholar. He was a mystic. He was a pastor. He was an evangelist. He was a statesman. He was kind of many things in one. And so there's many different things that attracted people in some specific way. You know, he, when he became Pope, he said he wanted to follow both John the 23rd and Pope Paul VI, and especially he wanted to follow Pope Paul VI as being the evangelist. As you know, it was Pope Paul VI that initiated the pilgrimages, those, those journeys outside of Rome. And so when he, when he received the gift, as he considered, when I received the gift of becoming and following in the footsteps of, of uh, P Peter, as he spoke of Peter, he said he, want, he wanted to do it just like Peter did, just like Paul, Paul VI did, to go out. Because people cannot come to Rome. People cannot come to Rome because many of the poor people don't have the means, they don't have the abilities. And so he wanted to bring the Petrine ministry to them. And that's why he had over 100 of these special pilgrimages that he prepared to go around the world. So many people were able to see him in person. So many people were able to hear his witness to Christ. So many people around the world were able to gather in these huge gatherings, millions sometimes. For example, I, I, I was a witness to being among 2.5 million people when they gathered. And I realized that all of us are part of the church. He was there. He was the main celebrant, the preacher, and yet he was surrounded by bishops, cardinals, religious. He was surrounded by all of us as, as lay people. And we were able to respond not only as individuals, but as a group. I realized what the church was when I, when I experienced the gathering, the church with Christ present, Christ in us, Christ present in, in, in the celebrant, but Christ present in his word, Christ present in the millions of people who gather. Who was John Paul II? in his theology, and he wrote many encyclicals. But what did he do? Uh, he wanted to restate again our faith in a different way, perhaps, than it was kind of known. Because what happens is that in all his encyclicals, he spoke that there is no separation from freedom and truth. Freedom and truth because sometimes we sell, sell, separate freedom from truth. We can do things, you know, choose, you know, in the contemporary world, we can choose to, to eliminate life. But the truth is, no, God gave us this life. God gave us life that belongs to God, does not belong to us. So he was able to bring freedom and truth into one, but also he would restate and says reason and faith. There's no separation there, reason and faith. Because sometimes we say, well, 
you know, you have to be reasonable about something. No, reason and faith are one because God is the source of our, of our knowledge. He gave us a gift of knowledge of human body, of being integrated as human beings with this whole theology of, theology of, of, of the human body as again referring to us as a gift for each other, being created for communion, not separation, division, but for communion. And, and you know, how many young people today have taken courses on, on the theology of human body and recognized the beautiful gift of human life, human sexuality? It's not again separated, but it's integrated. Again, his encyclical on human life, the dignity of human life, and the, and the preciousness of human life, his encyclicals on divine mercy, which shocked many people at the time when he wrote it. It was published in 1980, and I remember the reactions among many theologians. They said, why is he writing on, on mercy when there's a need for social justice? Why is he doing it? social justice, which we are supposed to embrace, not mercy. Mercy was considered something as a, as a type of weakness. You know, I don't need your mercy. I need, I need something. I need justice. And yet we know that his teaching on mercy began to transform our awareness of what mercy is all about. It's not, it's not the gift. It's not, it's not like being forcing to give somebody something, you know, kind of handouts. No, mercy is a, a type of relationship. It's a, it's a type of loving kindness, fidelity. It's tenderness. You know, the Old Testament concept with John Paul brought back to Awareness is that there's two dimensions of mercy from in the Old Testament, is the rahamin, is the love that mother has for a child, that type of tender love, that all of us are to have that in relationship to each other, but also the second dimension, and it, and it is it is the dimension of 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 mercy, as fidelity of a father to his children, of fidelity of the father to his family. That doesn't matter how much it costs. Doesn't matter. We are to look at, at the importance of the other person and our willingness to offer a life for the other. That type of mercy, mercy as being both tender as the love of a mother and also faithful and strong and courageous as a, as a love of the father for the sake of the family that he has that you offer his life for, for the other. This is John Paul. This is John Paul. He underscored the parable of mercy of the prodigal son, not focusing on, on the son, but on the father. Everybody was using that parable to look at themselves as the prodigal son or daughter. But John Paul took it and he made a emphasis on not ourselves because we know we're broken and so and we need mercy but how God is in relationship to us what about divine mercy sunday and hold pro pro proclamation and 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 teaching 
how he prepared the church for, for the establishment of, of the Feast of Mercy, the end of the concluding day of Divine Mercy octave, which is the octave of Easter, how he prepared it and proclaimed it. There's one thing that I remembered when he entrusted the world to divine mercy in 2002, towards, towards the end of his life. As you know, Parkinson was not exactly good for him. It limited him in so many ways, but he would not allow Parkinson to control him because he continued to proclaim. And there's one thing that what he did is this, is he entrusted the world and he asked the Father that the spark of his mercy may ignite the whole world, that this message of mercy may be known throughout the world, that this message of who God is and who we are to be is to be proclaimed. And, and, you know, and he said the following. He says, Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son and our Lord Jesus Christ for our sins and those of the whole world. And he said, by the sufferings of his passion, have mercy on us and upon the whole world. He read the quote from the diary. Now, but then he says, upon us and upon the whole world, how greatly today's world needs God's mercy. And we we're talking about 2002, this is 20 years later. That's when the consecration took place. In every continent, from the depth of human suffering, a cry for mercy seems to rise up, where hatred and a thirst for revenge dominate, where war brings suffering and death to the innocent. There, the grace of mercy is needed in order to settle human minds and hearts and to bring about peace wherever respect for life and human dignity are lacking, there's need of God's merciful love in whose light we see the inexpressible value of every human being. Mercy is needed in order to ensure that every injustice in the world will come to an end in a splendor of truth. And so that's why he says therefore today, I wish to solemnly to entrust the world to divine mercy. I do so with the burning desire that the message of God's merciful love proclaimed here through St. Faustina may be made known to all the peoples of the earth and fill their hearts with hope. May this message radiate from this place to our beloved homeland and throughout the world. And may the binding promise of the Lord Jesus be fulfilled from here, there must go forth the spark that will prepare the world for his final coming. How prophetic these words are, 20 years later. How prophetic, how they speak to us. We have the same cry in our hearts. We see injustices, we see the lack of fidelity, the lack of respect for one another, the lack of faith. We see how people are harming each other. We see war. And so the words which John Paul spoke, he says how he wishes, how greatly the world needs God's mercy today, how greatly. And so he says to us, we who are to be the church, let the church cry out to God for mercy. Let the church, we, we all of us, let us plead for God's mercy. Let us intercede for one another. 
And part of that intercessory prayer is, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. He's asking us to be men and women who realize we are. God has given us the gift. We are a special gift that God gave us freely. He chose us. He he created us for eternal glory. He wants us to be that special gift for one another. He is asking us, like St. Paul says today, realize what God has given to you to become fully mature, no longer as children, but to be aware as adults of our great responsibility to give ourselves to one another as a gift, to be merciful to one another, also to witness, just like John Paul did with his whole person, with his teaching, with his example, witness that God is the only one, Christ is the only one who allows us, who gives us the sense of who we are, who gives us the knowledge that without him, we can't do anything. What would this world be without Christ? Can we, can we look at our world? What would we be? Who would this world be? What would the church be today without the witness of John Paul? What would that be? You know, every time we gather for conferences, especially like healthcare professional conferences, the, the impact that John Paul has made on healthcare, on the theology of on ethics, Catholic ethics, bioethics, is enormous. We can't go, we can't go forward without using his, his whole understanding of who we are as human beings in relationship to the modern world, to the modern medicine, to the modern ways of doing things. Maybe then today, as we continue with this sacred liturgy, and by the way, uh, Father Chris will talk about John Paul and the relationship of John Paul to Divine Mercy into our community this afternoon. So, so I mean, this at 11 o'clock, I should say. So you hear much more about him. But what I wanted to do is kind of share some things which have had, had a powerful effect on me. Awareness of who Jesus is. Awareness of who the church is. Awareness of who God is. God in his mercy. Awareness of who we are to be for each other. An awareness of that which is to come. And that is the life of glory, which John Paul looked forward to. And then he himself, through God's gift, allowed him to die on Divine Mercy Sunday receiving all the promises of Divine Mercy Sunday, whoever receives the Eucharist on that day will receive that fullness of life. All the consequences of sin will be removed and that that person will enter the portals of heaven directly. And we know that he was canonized. We know that witness. Christ is true to his promises. And, 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 and finally, John Paul II spoke that from the very beginning of his ministry, Petrine ministry, he became fully aware that his mission was to proclaim the mercy of God for all humanity, so that human beings born broken by sin, so much affected by secularism, so much filled with doubts, so much filled with confusion, that Christ and his mercy 
may enter the hearts of each human person and that each person may realize the great mission, the great gift of redemptive love that they are receiving, and that they may realize that they're called to live a life of glory forever, to be with the Lord in heaven. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.